Hasn't he done great things in your life? Doesn't he deserve all the glory, all the honor, all the praise? He is the magnificent Lord, the glorious King, majestic King. There's none like him. Precious Savior, precious Lord, precious blood that was shed for us. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Bible talks about two immutable things, that he's made promise, but he made covenant in his blood, and it cannot be changed. Glory to God. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Give him a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to our God, my God, my King. Oh, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. God is a good God. God is a great God. Oh, but God is a real God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we sure are glad that Dr. Terry and Renee Mize are in the house. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Wasn't that good this morning? So many nuggets in what was said. So many things that you can glean from, take hold of, and apply it into your life and bring changes into your life. Isn't that right? Amen. It's not just about coming to church. It's not about doing a religious thing. It's about getting a hold of the word. You don't want to go to Olive Garden and walk out hungry. You don't want to go to church and walk out hungry either. You want to get full. Isn't that right? Amen, amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, Terry and Renee do so many things uh, around the world, actually. And uh, we have a mission board out in the foyer. And you can look at the mission board, and, and they are on that board, and, and all their outreaches and their um, uh, children's homes are listed on that board. And uh, you can look at the things that they do and know that you're partners with a great ministry. Amen. Amen. Because your offerings, you know, we, we tithe monthly out of the ministry into their ministry, which is your tithes coming in and going back out and sowing a second time. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, you know, uh, they also sowed into our ministry during the hurricane time. After we went through the hurricane, they sowed into us to help us out. Praise God. We're so grateful for that. Amen. 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 But, you know, that's what partners are about. The Bible says we're partners in giving and receiving. Isn't that right? Amen. I want to share something with you this evening from Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. It says, but you shall seek the Lord at the place which the Lord your God will choose from all of his tribes to establish his name there for his dwelling and there you shall come. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the contribution of your hand, your votive offerings, your free will offerings, 
and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there also you and your household shall eat before the Lord your God and rejoice in all of your undertakings in which the Lord your God has blessed you. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God has given us a place to where we can come, to where we can assemble together. Isn't that right? Gather around and eat of the good word of God. Amen. Causes us growth in our life, growth in, in growing in the nature of God, conforming to the image of the Lord. Isn't that right? We're partaking of his promises, and we can be a blessing to others because we continue to increase in our life. Just like Brother Terry talked about this morning, prosper and be in good health because there are other people that need to be reached. Isn't that right? Amen. Blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, this is the storehouse that God has given to us, and we rejoice in the fact that we can assemble together. And that's where we bring our offerings. And our offerings, we honor the Lord in our giving. Amen. So in this offering, we're going to receive this offering for the church this evening, uh, our storehouse, the place that we come, and we rejoice. And it's a place where we in our household can eat, rejoice in the things of God, set our hand to the work of God, and be blessed in the things that we do. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we are grateful to the Lord for that. Father, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you have set out for your great plan. Thank you that you didn't leave us on our own, but you have given to us the body. You have given to us one another. You have given to us fivefold ministry. You have given us positions in ministry of helps, that we can be a part of your kingdom, that we can put our hands to the things that you'd have us to do. And Father, I thank you for the recompense and reward that comes because of your promises. And as we give our seed tonight, as we sow our seed, we bring them into the storehouse, Father, the place that you have set for us. We thank you, Father, where we do it with rejoicing. We do it with a glad heart. And we do it excited about what you have for us in these days. For we were born for this day. And we're looking to you to impart to us that which we need to accomplish our task on this earth. So we thank you for it. We bless you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. If you need an envelope for cash or credit card giving, it's on the seat back in front of you. Uh, if you're giving by check, just make it out to, to New Life. If you joined us online, thanks for being with us tonight. And it's always a joy that we can gather together, that we can listen to the word of God, and that we can be blessed in the corporate anointing. Amen. So if you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to the website at newlifefamilyworship.net and click on the giving link. And we thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And as we always say, if there's anything we can ever stand in prayer with you about, please let us know. It's an honor to stand with our partners and believe God for your needs to be met. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad that God, who's holy, has given you a holy word that you can stand on and never have to be concerned about whether the word is true or not? But you know that because he's a holy God, that he is not like man and he does not lie. And everything he says is purest truth, that you can believe it, you can hold on to it, and you can know without a doubt it will come to pass in your life. Hallelujah. There's not a devil in hell that can stop it from coming to pass in your life. Because every devil and every demon has already been defeated by that word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, the devil did not really have free reign on the, ha on the earth until Jesus rose from the dead and brought the authority back home so that we could have authority over the enemy. And that's how much God loves you, that he was willing to subject himself to all of Satan's nonsense until he could get the authority back and give it to you so that you can live victorious. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. How many of you like victory? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Victory is great in the kingdom because every fight is fixed. It's fixed so that you can win it. Amen. If you don't quit, you will win. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we are ready for another time in the word of God. And that which God has put in Brother Terry's heart and Brother Renee, a uh, Brother Renee, Sister Renee, so sorry. <laughs> but we know that God's put some things in their heart, and uh, we are ready to receive from them. Are you ready to receive? Say, Lord, here I am. Your eyes are running through and fro. So stop right here. Because my heart's open, my heart's faithful, and my heart's ready to receive today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Would you stand with me and let's welcome Brother Terry as he comes this evening. Hallelujah. Oh, Sister Renee. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, it's so wonderful to live in the presence of the Lord, knowing that we can talk to him at any time he lives in us and that we are carriers of his presence wherever we go. I've studied enough. Um, there used to be an organization that you can still check them out online called the Christian History Institute. Go ahead and be seated. And um, I, I read about so many people over the last 2,000 years from Revelation to date, but all of the people during uh, the first thousand years after the resurrection, the beginning of the church, and then up to this time that we live in, but there were so many people 
during that first thousand years after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that during the Dark Ages, everything they had ever worked to have was just wiped out in a lot of ways. And I began to find out about great men and women all through Europe, uh, North Africa, the Middle East, that really gave their lives just to bring back the truth, very simple truths. One of my favorite ones is a lady, a, a woman, a, an aristocratic young woman um, by the name of Madame Guillon. And uh, her, her simple truth that got her thrown in jail as a young woman was that she found out that she could talk to God at home. And she started telling people that she could, she found out she could pray at home. And the presence of the Lord would come on her and she would just get all excited about praying and she started telling people about it and they threw her in jail. Uh, there, if I went through the whole story, you'd be amazed. Then we have the Spanish Inquisition. Then we have this, then we have that. You know, people just are a mess and are, can be evil and arrogant uh, to really destroy the goodness of God that we carry 24-7. You have to be salt and light out there. If you're not, people misunderstand even like the Ethiopian. He said, I don't have anybody to tell me what this means, you know. And you and I that have understanding, the, our value is priceless to the world when we go out there and explain to them or help them or just, just say, let, it, let me pray. And they sense the presence of God when you pray. Isn't that marvelous? Hallelujah. You know, I mean, there, it, it's just amazing to me that we have survived this and that the gospel has made it as far as it has <laughs> with with so much religion and arrogance and pride, um, you know, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, where they took the Bible away from the people and they didn't even want the people to read it. And then all of a sudden, John Gutenberg comes along and, and, and invents the printing press. And lo and behold, uh, here's the word of God being printed off and handed out to regular people. My goodness, I, Terry and I talk about it all the time. We say, thank God, Father, bless John Gutenberg in heaven today. Because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have the word of God. Thank God for that invention that that man of God created, you know. And then we, we need to thank God all the time. Terry says he, 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 he believes in God and air conditioning in that order. And uh, Mr. Carrier that invented the first air conditioner, God bless him, there's, we should have a national holiday <laughs> for him. Forget all this other foolishness and let's have a national air conditioning day for Mr. Carrier. Amen. Um, Pastor Bob and Ned are so gracious. And um, from the very first time I met them, I w Terry had told me so many things about them when we came here. And uh, he was telling me all about them. And I had never met them before, and I was just, just really fell in love with them from the very first time I met them. And, uh, you know, I'm the new kid on the block, as they say, and uh, I just really have felt welcomed and loved by this wonderful man and woman of God. And I, I just have always appreciated the way they've loved me, and I don't take it for granted, and then you have done the same, and we are just so grateful for that because we're really here to wash your feet with the word of God, 
Jesus said, Now are you clean through the washing of the water of the word of God. Well, so we're here as his ambassadors, just like your pastors, to join with you. And we're just having a, uh, you know, corporate foot washing <laughs> uh, of the word of God to clean us up. How many of you know you need to be cleaned up? You know, that's why, uh, that's why James said, keep looking into that perfect law of liberty. It's like a mirror. How, how many times have you left your house and thought you looked cute and good? And then, and then walk by a mirror an hour or two later, and you go, whoa, something, something moved. Something moved. Or I had a spot here or something here or something was sticking up here, you know. And, uh, and thank God for the mirror of the Word of God that gets held up to you here every week to show you if you've got, you know, spinach in your teeth, you know. Something's not quite setting right, you know. And you've got to get fixed up. And I'm thankful for that. We can read the word on our own. We can be taught. We can, we can fellowship in the presence of the Lord. But it's so good that the corporate anointing, what you can't get at home, you can get in here. You know, hallelujah. Uh, Pastor Bob was so graciously talking about uh, JMICF. Terry and Jackie um, formed this organization about 15 years ago, Jackie Mize International Children's Foundation. And they did that so that they would have really the ability to go into every country of the world as an NGO, non-government organization, and go out there and uh, be able to help people. Because if you say you're a ministry, they don't, they don't care, you know. But if you say I'm a, pre Terry's a president of an NGO and I've got money, they'll let you in, you know. So you really do have to have the money, and you really do have to have the 501c3, and you really do have to know what you're doing once you get there. And so, of course, after 55 years now of ministry, Terry knows a few things about how to do that. And uh, this year, we had we just had the we had the best year ever. Best year ever. You know, all through COVID, it's like every year we've had the best year: 20, 21, 22. We've had the best years. One year is top the next year. You know, and um, we are so grateful for that. And it's amazing to us the money that comes in, the partners and churches that sow thousands of dollars at the end of the year to help us have what we need to have to give um, what they started out was just to give orphans Christmas money, you know, to go to these orphanages and be able to hand off to them the ability to buy all the kids' presents, give their staff a little bonus, be able to buy a Christmas tree, presents, and Christmas dinner. That's what we want to do, and we don't, want to we don't want anybody left out, and we don't want to skimp, you know. We want everybody to have a good Christmas. The videos that have been sent to us uh, from these orphanages with these children sitting around opening their presents, we, it's just, I mean, we in the office, we're just going, oh, my, look at that one, look at that one, look, you know, and it's just so wonderful to know that that's happening, and uh, this year, of course, we did we actually, by the time we counted everything that we had done, because once it gets around uh, Thanksgiving, money starts flying out the door. I mean, it's hard to keep up with because we're, we're you know, they'll say to Terry on the phone, they'll say, by the way, um, we don't have uh, heating. Our heater just went out or our so-and-so just went out or we need such and such or we have more workers this year than we had last year. And so we end up with extra things that come along. And we really, you know, we do our vetting, we do our homework, 
we make sure all these things are done well. It's not, it's not just, you know, frivolously handed out. But we want you to know that at, by the end of the year, after we got into January, we realized we had given to 30 countries where this says 26, and then it says that we had given to 35 orphan orphanages. We actually found out we had given to 42. <laughs> and so, you know, like we sang tonight, to God be the glory. You know, to God be the glory. And to, in my mind, the church should always be the bastion of how to do it right. The church should be the best representative of caregiving uh, to the needy, to the homeless, to the widows, to the orphans, you know. Um, everything about how the church does things should be because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How could we give less? How could we do less? Amen. And so we, we did wonderful things. Uh, Terry was saying about the tractor and then the van and all this. But just, just in the last month, thank God for partners that give. Just in the last four to six, uh, it's not even six weeks, it's, it's barely a month, really. We, uh, Terry gave uh, the workers over there in Romania, the widow of the man that he's been working with for almost 25 years, um, you know, she's still taking care of these kids even though they're older. And some of the smaller ones that, that they have been in association with, they, uh, he was able to help her get her car repaired. You know, they have to take these kids around places and uh, be able to do that and repairs on the building and things like that that have to be done. Um, thank God we have the money through JMICF to do this thing. The, and it was just, I mean, it's just miraculous to me to be able to say, yes, we'll take care of that. Yes, we'll, we'll take care of that for you. And then um, in um, Romania, a missionary over there, a, a man that Terry has known for years and years, he's a great man of God, been in Romania 30 years, and um, he and his wife have lived over there doing tremendous works all through the country of Romania, and uh, we were able to give them several thousand dollars to put on their summer vacation Bible school for 76 kids. Isn't that wonderful? They didn't have the money to do it, but they had the, they had the equipment, and they had, you know, the time to do it, and they had the location but they didn't have the money to put everything together for them, the food, you know, the prizes, all the things that they wanted to do, the, all, the, all the fun things that you do through Vacation Bible School. And I, over here in America, I saw several churches put online pictures of their Vacation Bible School. I mean, they look like county fair events. I mean, they were first class. Their auditorium got turned into a jungle or their auditorium got turned into the inside of a ship, and these vacation Bible schools were so elaborate, <laughs> and the prizes were bicycles and all kinds of stuff for them, and I thought, these Romanian kids got, uh, need to have some good stuff, you know? And uh, I, I just didn't want to hand out Twinkies, you know, or something, and uh, be able to bless them and do something really, really good. And then um, in Botswana, Wonderful missionaries there that have been over there almost 40 years, longtime friends. Um, they are absolutely astounding, do a great, great work over there. And they have an orphanage where they take in just, they take in babies and very small children. And they had so many new babies that they didn't have beds for them. So we were able to buy like 15 beds and mattresses 
for these babies. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I mean, we were just able to say, here, we'll, we'll pay for this, you know. And uh, thank God for partners. Thank God for people that stand with us to do JMICF. Then there's an orphanage down in Acuna. Uh, I mean, these people do uh, Acuna, Mexico. They do such an amazing work. They, they are working with kids that have been human trafficked across the border. I mean, you don't even want to know some of that. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't even hardly get some of that. I can't even say it out of my mouth. But I'll just tell you, one little baby they rescued had been trafficked 37 times across, huh? Uh, comes. I'm sorry, I've got my, that was evangelistically speaking. <laughs> I don't, I, the cartel sold this baby 17 times going back and forth across the border. And they got that baby and rescued it along with others. And uh, one little child had been kept in a cage right there on, in Mexico on the other side of the border uh, for three years. And they rescued her and got her out. And, uh, you know, the, we, ha we, s we help support two special needs orphanages. And so many of these special needs or abused, what you call it, or medically fragile is another term, you have medically fragile, you have abused, you have special needs. They take in this, these kids in India, and then another one is down in Jamaica, and then these people on the border in Acuna, Mexico. Y'all, I mean, how the, it's like the Bible says, how dwelleth the love of God in you? <laughs> and we're not doing these things, you know? But yet, on the other hand, we don't want to just have our eyes on the ends of the earth. Like Proverbs says, every fool has his eyes on the ends of the earth. You know, they, I'll go somewhere else and be great, but, you know, I can't do it here. i, I got to be great somewhere else, you know. But we, wanna, we want to pay attention and allow the compassion that God has put in us. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the help of the Holy Ghost. So this is just, a, this is just an, another arm of what Terry Mize Ministries has done. And ever since Terry and I have been married, it has just been in my heart. I could do orphanages all day long. I could help little kids all day long. Uh, we, we just want to do as much as we can for the heritage of the Lord. Children are the heritage of the Lord. And it's, I think it, our generation is going to give an account for how we've treated children. Our generation is going to give an account for how little children teenagers, uh, you know, have, have been treated. And the church has to stand up and be the one that, that really uh, speaks on behalf of those, that verse in Proverbs Terry's taught for all these years, speak up for those who, who are too weak to have their own voice, the innocent, those that are vulnerable, those that are, that are just so um, ignored by the world. You and I have to be the one like the Good Samaritan that says, that kneels down, we give our time. We're not too busy to pay attention to human need. Amen? And so that's part of keeping your, that's why that, that corporate anointing that comes in here that Pastor Bob has talked about, and I've given his book away to every pastor I can come in contact with. Um, part of coming to church and that corporate anointing keeps your heart soft. You get out there in the world, you listen to the news every day, you get around your unbelieving relatives, you hang out with people in, in your neighborhood, your heart gets hard and you don't even know it. 
that you keep coming to church and the anointing, the fire of God, softens your heart, keeps your mind on the world, keeps your eyes looking out on the harvest, and you do not become hard-hearted, dull, dull of hearing. Everything begins to work. All the senses begin to work on behalf of the kingdom of God. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Search me, Lord. Try me. Know me. See if there's any wicked way in me, any selfishness, any arrogance, any area where, where it, it's all about me. No, you know, God, God's given me, like Terry's going to teach you here tonight, all this good stuff. I'm telling you on everything that has to do with your, my health, I, I need to be so healthy, I cast the care of it over on Jesus. I need to have some, my needs met so good that I cast the care of every other need over on Jesus. Amen? Because God can use me to be a blessing to other people because I'm not, every prayer I'm praying isn't about me. That's a deliverance in itself, to be delivered from me. You know, I'm free. I'm free. I'm delivered from me. <laughs> That's a song. We can write a song. I'm free. I'm delivered from me. I'm free. I'm delivered from me. But when, when we realize that's what God's trying to help us do is, is unpack the burden of who we are and cast that care over on him. Amen. So, darling, come on. Let's be a blessing to the folks with the word of God. And uh, I'm telling you, this, this living to give thing is, is um, we're trying to give every day. We're trying to sow every day. We're trying to do something every day to help somebody, help people. We help widows all the time. We help people that... Uh, in India, t uh, this past year, we helped um, we helped uh, a widow whose husband had died. They were in the ministry, and we paid their funeral. Uh, you know, all of these things that have to happen uh, to help people, and we we can't ignore all of that. Amen. And so, this the, your corporate giving, your corporate heart, uh, in many ways, goes out and helps lots and lots of people. Just not not just us, but others as well. God bless you. We're here to love on you Praise and just you. help you know how important you are. Don't let the devil dwarf you. Get in your Amen. prayer time and literally beat the devil up. I pray ugly. <laughs> I pray fierce. I pray if you heard me, you'd think I was killing somebody. But that's what we need to do to take authority over what God wants to do through us. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's pretty good stuff. Amen. You know, when we come, uh, I know we go longer than the pastor, and we go longer than maybe some of your other guest speakers, but pastors have a great, 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 great advantage, and they sometimes forget that. Bob knows it, but they sometimes forget that because a pastor is going to see you next Sunday. And the next Sunday, and the next Sunday, and the next Sunday, and the next Sunday. I mean, I mean, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, if you're Christians, and uh, so they can they can start a series and then unhook at twelve or whatever, and then hook back up the next week, and then hook back up the next week, and then hook back. You know, I pastored one when I pastored years ago. I I did two different series that went thirteen Sundays in a row. You know, and finally I just got embarrassed after thirteen weeks that I ought to be through. I wasn't through, but I thought you ought to be through by thirteen weeks. <laughs> But, you know, in, in my ministry, I, I don't get to see you next Sunday. I, mean, I got a one shot with you. You know, I got a Sunday morning shot. Now, Bob's given me three services, but most churches anymore 
Uh, most churches are so backslidden today uh, because they're trying to appease the people and not appease God uh, that they just have Sunday morning service. And that's it. That's it. So when I come in there and the pastor's saying that number, I tell you, you've got plenty of time. Uh, you've you got 20 minutes. <laughs> really? i got 20 minutes? Really? They say, well, I'd do it. I say, yeah, but you're going to see them next week. I'm not going to see them next week. And so, and then the other thing is, I actually have something to say. <laughs> and, and a lot of your guest speakers don't, so you ought to quit inviting them and invite somebody that has something to say. Dear God, if I'm going to shave and put on, you know, brush my teeth and put on a suit and come to church on Sunday morning, I'd like to hear something that will help me. <laughs> Amen. And what Renee and I preach actually helps people. And I've always believed this. I've always believed that, that the congregation is smart enough to know whether the preacher is just preaching something that they heard or read somewhere or if they've actually lived it. You know, got the battle scars to prove it and got the trophies to prove it, you know. And, uh, and you know, in 55 years, uh, I've fought a lot of battles and won, and, and won them all. Amen. And uh, uh, with five, you go with me and fight my battles, it, it, you know, I got I to gotta, I gotta win or die. You know, uh, I've, been in, I've been in Burma three different times. I've been in Burma, not, the same, not three times on the same trip, but three separate trips to Burma. Uh, the Buddhist army, 100,000 strong, sent me death, death threats and said, you tell Terry, my personal one, per had my name on it, personal death threat. You tell Terry Mines if he comes out here, we will kill him. Well, you know, I just sent him a message back and say, I'm coming in the name of Jesus, and Buddha can't kill me. Right. You know, and then the second time, I said, I'm coming in the name of Jesus, and Buddha can't kill me. The third time, I said, you know, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I sent the message back because you, you send runners. See, what happens is when they know I'm coming, then the pastors all through the different villages, they'll put up little flyers and say, you know, come, come here, a man sent by God, the blind see, the deaf hear, lame walk. Jesus Christ will heal you and, and give the date. So those Buddhist army guys pick up the flyers, take it back to their headquarters, and then they send me a message. You come out here, we'll kill you. So a third time I said, I, I sent a message back by a runner, and I said, you tell them you ought, they ought to be ashamed of themselves. I said, this is the third time you told me you are going to kill me. You hadn't done it yet. <laughs> I mean, put up or shut up, man. And I said, I'm coming in the name of Jesus, and Buddha can't kill me. I said, if you're going you, to kill me, you better get some help. Because you only have 100,000 in your army. And there's more with me than there is with you. Amen. And, you know, dear missionary friends of mine would, would tell me this, and I tell you, uh, you know, uh, if you're not going to use wisdom, that's what, that's, what, that's what church people tell you whenever, whenever they want to get in fear but don't want to admit it. And, Brother Terry, if you're not going to use wisdom, and you're going to go anyway after they've told you not to because they're going to kill you. At least leave your, because the last time I had my son and my daughter with me, Lynn and Lori, said, uh, they said, at least leave Lynn and Lori back here with us. I said, they're going to be safe where I'm at. <laughs> well, you're putting them in harm's way. I said, no, no, they're safe. Well, Terry, you know they have, they have, they have landmines on these trails. I, I know. Do you understand landmines? Yeah, I was, I'm a veteran. I, I understand landmines. I, I know about bouncing Bettys. I, I know, I know. They're horrible. They're, they're devastating. They, 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 I, I know. But I can't help it. i got to go. You know, and I've got protection you know not of. Right? 
And they said, you know, Japanese, I mean, Chinese fighter planes strafe the place every now and then. I, I know, but I can't not go. You know they're lobbing mortar shells in every now and then. I know. You can take Lori, your little girl out there. Yeah. You can take your son out there. Yeah. And they'll be safe. They'll be safe. Wherever I go, they'll be safe. Amen. I've been shot at lots of times. I've been threatened lots of times. I've, I've had, you know, doesn't work. Are y'all here? Renee and I were in Mexico City a few years ago, not long after we got married. This September will be nine years we've been married, by the way. And known each other for 50 years, but, you know, married for, for almost nine now. And uh, Renee and I was in Mexico City at a big church that I've preached at for many years. Pastors are good friends of mine, and, and they've helped me support orphans in Romania and different stuff like that. By the way, those orphans she was talking about in Romania, they're not just Romanian, they're gypsies, which, which means they're just hated and despised and, you know, not taken care of um, except by my friends and us. And, but uh, anyway, we was, we was down there, and we was, I was going to preach that night, and I was just sitting in the, we were all in the pastor's office, and I was just sitting there studying my notes for what I'm about to preach. And uh, Renee and, and pastor and, and, and wife sitting over there talking, visiting back and forth. I'm not listening to them. And they're just having some kind of conversation. And so the pastor's wife walks over to me at the desk where I'm studying. And she said, uh, and I just had my head down studying and looking at my Bible. And she said, Brother Terry said, how many times were you shot at? And I said, I'm just, I didn't pay, I didn't even look up. I said, uh, three. And she said, three? And I looked up, like, what is wrong with you? You know, you're in distress. And I said, yeah, three. And she, I just saw on her face that she was so disappointed and so distraught and so upset and looked like I was a liar. And she said, three. I thought it was five. You've told us all these years it was five. I said, oh, I said, I'm sorry. I said, you're talking about the hitchhiker story where the guy shot at me point blank range and the bullets didn't hit me? She said, Yes. I said, five, five times. He shot five times. She said, well, why did you say three? I said, because I was thinking how many different instances have I been shot at uh, around the world. I, I've been in crusades, uh, in a crusade where they shot at me and, and didn't hit me. Uh, I've, been, I've been in, a, in a, a pastor's conference in Haiti where a guy came in with a rifle and shot at me and didn't hit me. And then the guy with the hitchhiker shot at me five times. Then I've had knives to my throat and guns to the back of my head and knives to the back. I, I, you know, I've been threatened and, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, no, he did five times, but a total of three times, which would be, I guess, eight, you know, but um, I've been shot at before. The, the, you know, with, with the office of apostle, you know, all the, you know, the church doesn't know much about the different offices that Jesus put in the church, but they were Jesus' idea, he thought them up, and he put in the church the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And uh, the office of the apostle is actually what we would refer to as the Marines. We hit the beachhead first. We get there first. We make it possible for the pastor to come, for the evangelist to come, for the prophet to come, for the teacher to come. We get there first. We take the arrows. And in most, and in most, and, and I have dear friends and partners that love me dearly and beg me not to say this all the time. They say, Terry, please don't say that again. But, but it's true, with, with the office of apostle, there, there's always the threat of death, always. And if you don't believe that, just read the book of Acts. Uh, there's always that threat of death. We're going to kill you. And they did kill people many, many times, kill many apostles, kill many people. 
but, but yet I know the difference between murder and martyr. Just because the devil comes along and doesn't like me and, and doesn't like you and shoots you and kills you doesn't mean you were martyred for your faith. You just got murdered. And I'm not putting up with no murder. Amen. And, and I'll only put up with the martyr if God talks to me about it. I've had people get mad at me over my hitchhiker story and say, how dare you rebuke that guy in the name of Jesus and not let him shoot you. God may have wanted you to be a martyr. I said, no, he wasn't a martyr. That had just, that, just been murder. Martyr means you're killed for your faith. They, they want you to deny Jesus or they'll kill you, and so you either deny Jesus or don't deny Jesus, uh, and, 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 and then they kill you for that. That's a martyr. And we don't know much about martyr. We know just a little bit about it because the Bible talks just a little bit about it, the New Testament. We don't know a lot about it. We do know there's a martyr's death. We do know there are martyrs. And we do know they've all, there always have been. Uh, but most of these Christians getting killed around the world by bad guys aren't being martyred. They're being murdered. And I refuse to let the devil murder me, right, or mine or anybody that's with me. I'm responsible for people that I take with me. And, and I'm not going to let the devil murder them. I've got my spiritual authority up, my, the name of Jesus up, and, and the blood of Jesus up. I mean, you know, the word, I mean, we're ready. But, uh, but there is a martyr's death, and we don't understand a lot about it. But, but even those martyrs, Hebrews 12 tells us they didn't really have to be martyrs or die. It says, that, it says in Hebrews 12, it says, these martyrs, many of them refused deliverance. They could have been delivered. They could have gotten God to show up and get them out of this mess. But it says they refused, read chapter 12 of Hebrews, they refused deliverance hoping to obtain a, a better report. I don't even know what that means. And I'm convinced, I mean, this is my personal opinion. It's in the Bible, this is my personal opinion. I'm convinced that the 12 apostles of the Lamb, Jesus' apostles, we call them the apostles of the Lamb. You know, Judas was one, and he bailed out and killed himself, so they, they replaced him. Uh, but the, re, the 12 apostles of the Lamb were all martyred, including the Lamb himself, Jesus. And Jesus could have gotten out of that, too. He said to, he said to Pilate and then to Herod, he said, he said uh, don't you know I could call 12 legions of angels? I mean, I got seventy-two thousand mad warrior angels waiting on me to snap my feet to say the word. Six thousand to a legion. He said, "I can call twelve legions." And there wouldn't be anything left of Jerusalem but a bloody spot where it once was, because these guys are bad guys. These are the guys that took the chariot wheels off Pharaoh's chariots in the Red Sea and killed him and his whole army. These are the guys that threw hailstones. In Joshua chapter 10, when five enemy armies came against Joshua's army and, and, and they were fighting this battle and, and the angels got involved and started throwing hailstones at the bad guys. And Joshua 10 tells you plainly, it says more of the enemy was killed by the hailstones than from the war. So the angels were killing more with hailstones than the, than the Hebrews, were, were, the Israelites were killing with swords and spears. I mean, these are bad guys. And here they're killing Jesus. They're torturing him. Don't you know God nearly had a mutiny on his hands that day? Telling him, stand down, guys, stand down. Gabriel, Michael, stand down. But it's Jesus, Father. It's Jesus. Look what they're doing to Jesus. Let us go. Set, no, this is our plan. We plan this. They're playing into our hands. And Jesus looked at those guys and he said, you don't take my life. I give it. You're not big enough and bad enough and powerful enough to take it. I, I give it freely. 
And so that's being a martyr. And I'm convinced, it's Terry Miles' opinion, I'm convinced that the reason the 12 apostles of the Lamb were all martyred, with the exception of John, and they did try to kill him. They, they boiled him in oil and he wouldn't boil. He just said, oh, this is a nice hot oil bath. <laughs> so since they couldn't kill him, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, where he wrote a little book called Revelation. And then whenever he got out, out of his, his sentence on the island, he's the only apostle of the Lamb that came back home and lived to a full age and uh, as I said to you this morning, he wrote Third John when he was over 90 years old. And he's the only one of the apostles that came back and lived to a full age and enjoyed his, his family and his kids and grandkids and ministry and so on and so forth. But I'm totally convinced that the reason God had them martyred, and God did have them martyred, I'm, I'm totally convinced the reason he had them martyred was to prove to all of us that Jesus really did raised from the dead because when he was in the tomb and he blew that tomb wide open with a Richter, with a, with an explosion the Richter scales are still going wild from today and said I am he that was dead don't you ever forget it I'm, I'm alive forevermore the soldiers ran back and told Herod that hey he blew out of the grave he's alive and Herod ordered them he said you tell this story you say his disciples came and stole his body and took it away and hid it. And the Bible says that story is told to this day. So I'm convinced, Terry, my, it's my opinion, you don't have to believe it, but my, my opinion is that when I, when I preach your Bible, you don't have a choice about believing it. But from my opinion, you can take it or leave it. But, but this is my opinion. But my opinion is the reason that God had them martyred, Morgan, is because they're the only ones that really knew if it was true or not. Those disciples and Mary and, and some of the other folks around, they're the only ones that knew if he was dead or alive. They had seen him. They had talked to him. So don't you know, Ned, don't you know that if you were being, if Bob was being tortured and horrible things done to him and then they turned around and started doing it to you and the kids, and it was a lie. It was just a fake. It was just that they sold the body away. Don't you think he'd say, wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't hurt my wife and babies. I'll tell you. I mean, what, what, what would be the point? What would be the point? I'll tell you where we hid the body. Just don't hurt my babies. Don't hurt my grandbabies. I'll, t I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I mean, they hacked, them, they hacked them up. They hung them. They threw them off the temple. They beat them with clubs. They ran them through with, with arrows, with lances. And Bartholomew, they, they skinned him alive. Now, I'm a hunter and a fisherman. I have skinned lots of animals, and I've skinned lots of, lots of fish. But they skinned him alive. Don't you think that him being skinned alive, that he would say, wait, no, stop, stop, stop. I'll tell you where the body's at. It's all a lie. It's all a fake. We took the body. We hid it. Not a one of them did. Not one, not one, not one. Well, how is that even possible? Because they knew he lived alive. It's, po it's proof positive. See, see, Bill, you don't know if he's alive or not. You weren't there. I don't know. I believe it whole hog just like you do, but we weren't there. But they were there. They were there. And I'm convinced, again, my opinion, you don't have to believe it, I'm convinced that's why God had them martyred 
was to prove to all of us that it's true. Of course it's true. Otherwise, their babies and grandbabies were being tortured. They'd say, wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. Because what would be the point? They weren't selling books and tapes. They weren't getting rich. What would be the point of keeping the facade up? No point. Isn't that amazing? So, the apostles' ministry is the one that always has that threat of death and takes the arrows and hits the beachhead first so the rest of the church can come along. T.L. Osborne, y'all know who T.L. Osborne was? You know who Lester Summerall was? They were both my very close, personal, dear friends. Spent a lot of time with them. They, they were personal friends themselves. And, and Lester was a gruff old guy. Man, he was gruff and rough. He was like Smith Wigglesworth. And, and that's who he trained under, who he learned under. And uh, one day, and this was so funny, I'm just kind of the fly on the wall. I'm just kind of there with T.L. And uh, one day, T.L., I mean, Lester comes up. Lester would usually bend over like this, put his hands back here, and he'd just kind of walk and say, huh, huh, huh. No, that's not right. He'd just chew us preachers out if we did something wrong. Thank God he never chewed me out. I never, what I got, clean your plow. I never got my plow clean by Lester, thank God. But he was capable. In fact, one time, Bob, we was all at a, we was all at a church in California, and uh, Lester was speaking, so we was all back, stay back, back in the green room, you know, preachers, and talking to Brother Summerall. And, and a, 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 a preacher came in, good friend of mine and yours, uh, a preacher came in, and he said, Oh, Dr. Summerall, so I just want to apologize to you. He said, My wife sends her love and her greetings, but said, You know, she couldn't come tonight. I left her at the hotel. Said, We just flew in from Hawaii today, and she's got jet lag, and so she's not here. And Lester said, Huh, jet lag? Jet lag's from hell. I don't have jet lag. Christians don't get jet lag. Jet lag's from hell. <laughs> so mine and your friend just got slunk back. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, uh, uh. But uh, anyway, he walked up to T.L. this particular day, and he said, T.L. Yeah, Lester, what is it? What are you going to do with all them souls you get saved? He said, what? What are you going to do with all them souls you get saved? You have these big crusades and get all these thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people saved. What are you going to do with them? And T.L. said, well, I'm not going to do anything with them. He said, what are you going to do with them? What do you mean what am I going to do with them? I didn't get them saved. You did. What are you going to do with them? And T.L. said, I'm not going to do anything with them. Well, I don't, what are you going to do with them? He said, he said, that's not my job. He said, I'm an evangelist. My job is to go get them saved. And he said, why don't you follow me around? Can you imagine T.L. Osborne said to Lester? He said, why don't you follow me around and give you something to do? And uh, when I get them all saved, you, you can start a church. I'll give you a ready-made church everywhere I go. And you can start churches and start Bible schools and, and teach them and train them and, and just whatever you want to do with them. That's not my job is to get them to heaven. But see, he knew his calling. T.L. knew his calling. And Lester's trying to get T.L. to do his calling. See, I know what an apostle does and is supposed to do. I, I know what, where my parameters are. Now, I can, I can overstep my parameters because the apostle is the only one that can do the other four. See, Paul was an apostle and he pastored for three years. The apostle can, 
Brother Osteen used to tell it to us like this. He'd say, he'd say, here's the ministry. And he said, the apostle is the thumb because he can touch the other four. The only one that can touch the other four. He can be an apostle. He can, he can be a prophet for a while. He can be a pastor for a while. He won't, he won't be one for long. But he, he can be a teacher. He can be an you know, you know, evangelist. He, he can do the other four. And he said, then the, this finger is the pointing finger. <laughs> right? And he said, so that, that's the prophet. You know, the prophet points out. And he said, then this finger, the middle finger, is the long finger. So that's the evangelist. He reaches way out and gets people saved. And said, then this finger, the ring finger, is the love finger. That's the pastor. You know. And he said, then the little finger said, said that's, the, that's the teacher. And he said, because the teacher can get in your ear. <laughs> and he said, that's what the teacher does. I don't know how I got on that. I didn't have any bit, don't have any attention to talk about. It. I'm just telling you why we go long sometimes, because we really got some stuff to say that you're not going to get from other places. Everybody's good. Everybody that comes in here will be a good preacher. But, you know, we're, we're going to have stuff that other people don't have just because of the calling, not because I'm special or great, but because that's my office. That's my calling. That's the, I, those are the spiritual gifts that go with me, the offices that go with me. Right. Amen? And so uh, we, we do have a lot to say. And, and for the last, oh, I don't know, 25, 35, 40 years, I have hated one question. Everywhere I go for the last umpteen years, Renee can tell you she knows this is true because it happened at her church one time, her and Dean's church, and I was there, and they were doing a, doing a, a, a meal, and I was there, and I was a guest speaker, and I was at the meal, and they sit some rich lady beside me, you know, and she had high society in town, and and owned a bunch of stuff and what have you. And, and, and she turned to me and she said, Brother Terry, what is the Lord saying to you about Iraq? And I said, he's not saying anything to me about Iraq. It just irritated her and then she irritated me. Because <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I, I just hate the question. I hate, I, I hate small talk. And it's like, what do you care? But the other question I hate so badly is uh, they say, Brother Terry, how do you find the church in America? Ned asked me that yesterday. How do you find the church in America? You travel around, how do you find the church in America? And I've always hated that because I have not found the church in America in very, in very good shape. Well, you, you knew that already. But, but, but I haven't found the church in America in very good shape. And so I hate the question because I hate the be negative and I hate to talk down but frankly the church in America has just gone down and 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 it's not it's not a it's not a patch on the shirt what it used to be when I was a kid you know and uh, and so uh, uh, but when Ned asked me yesterday I said I said well for the first time in about 40 years I can answer that and not not mind the question because the last year in fact the last 14 months I have found the church in America strongest. And uh, we, uh, in, in churches, there's what I've always called all my years of ministry, I've always called the church has surface noise. Surface noise is like when I'm preaching and I've gone past the time the pastor usually does, <laughs> then you start hearing surface noise. 
you start hearing Bible cases zip and purses zip and mamas <laughs> gathering up kids and papers and stuff. I mean, they're through. They're done. I'm still preaching, but they're done. And I hear that surface noise, and you might as well quit because they're not listening anymore. You know, and then people get up and leave and get up, and, you know, time to go, and they got, they got lunch or they got this or they got that, and they go. But since June last year, 14 months ago, that's not happened in any church. Now, tonight, tonight may be the first night. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but in 14 months, from since June a year ago, that has not happened in, in any church. And I've just gone, I mean, I've even tried to quit lots of times in the last 14 months. And people out there say, don't quit. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I, I was in one church, and I was teaching one night. And, and uh, I'd been doing a four-day session, mon- a Sunday Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And so I got, and got to the Wednesday. And the pastor had asked me when, I, when he asked me to do it. He said, he said, I want you to preach on spiritual authority. And he said, and I want you to do it Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. He said, here's the only rule, the only catch. He said, I don't care how long you preach, hours, I don't care. He said, but I need you to stop at 60 minutes because we're, we're videoing and filming and I want to put it on television. He said, so just bring it to a close at the end of 60 minutes, and then once we cut that off, then, then you can just crank up and go again. I don't care. Just keep on preaching if you want to, but, but I, need a, I need a close for the, for the end of 60 minutes. So I said, that's not a problem. I, I, I've always been able to watch a clock and do what they, I'm told. You know, pastors tell me you have to quit in 20 minutes. All right, I'll quit in 20 minutes. Uh, it's kind of dumb, but I will. I don't know why we're here. I don't know why I shaved. I don't know why I took a shower, but I don't know why I brushed my teeth, but hey, 20 minutes, that's all you got? That's, I will do it. But then look how crippled the church has been and how anemic the church has been with these one hour, one hour a week. I was in a church, I was in a church, when, was it last week? Oh, no, two weeks ago. We were in a church, good friend of mine, good friend of mine in California. And he said, and Terry, he said, Sunday night, uh, the, the service from start to finish, the entire service is one hour. I said, why bother? I said, you mean the whole thing, like the singing, the announcements, the offering, the sermon, everything, praying for the sick, everything, everything? He said, yep, 60 minutes from start to finish. And I said, well, that's just not going to happen tonight. I said, so if you want me to not preach, that's fine. I'll just leave. But that's just kind of a waste of time. I I wouldn't get up and get dressed for that. What are the people going to get out of it? 60 minutes, really? And again, I understand a pastor can hook, unhook, hook, unhook, hook, and he can do 20 minutes this week, 20 minutes next week, 20 minutes next week, 10 minutes. And I get that. You finally get something put together, you know. But dear Lord, the days are dark. You know, I don't see the football games getting shorter. I don't see baseball games getting shorter, movies getting shorter. I don't see concerts getting shorter. You know, just church, just the most important thing on the planet. Are y'all here? But anyway, in that last, in the last 14 months, there's been no service noise, and I've tried to quit, and tried to quit, and tried to. I preach, I preach for Nancy Dufresne. Uh, the last two years in a row, people were telling me, "Don't stop, don't stop." And one day was was coming up on the noon hour, and I knew they had cooked they had cooked for us and a bunch of visiting preachers, like thirty people, 
that, that I, I know if I go over 12, I'm going to be getting into people's lunch. And that usually doesn't make them happy. So I shut it down. And I mean, those preachers have said, don't stop, Brother Terry, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And I tried to stop again. The guy behind the camera was going like this. He's, he's saying, come on, come on, come on. But anyway, I was going to tell you, I, I uh, um, <laughs> you know, the longest I've ever preached is 10 and a half hours in one service. So we're not going to break the record tonight. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, um, nobody wants to go along just for the sake of going along. Nobody wants to hear a guy stand up here and flop his jaws if, if, he, if he doesn't have anything to say because the Holy Ghost didn't talk. But you know, when we can learn something and, and, and pick up on something to beat the devil with, and to, to increase our family and increase our health and increase our finance and increase what we're doing for God, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty, big, pretty, pretty big deal, I, I, I think. Amen. Amen. So anyway, I don't even mind the question anymore. So I'm saying, oh, I'm finding the church really good the last 14 months. I'm finding, I'm finding the church being blessed and growing and doing good and hungry and excited. Anyway, that church and, and I was telling you about that asked me to cut down, shut down at the end of 60 minutes and keep on preaching. I, I went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday night, I watched the clock, 60 minutes, bam, stand up with me, let's close. And we stood up, and I dismissed the service. And when I dismissed the service, they all sat back down. Nobody moved. I said, you're dismissed, you can go. And somebody said, no, preach another, preach another hour. And somebody said, yeah, preach another hour. Yeah, preach another hour. I said, you're, you're serious? You want me to preach another hour tonight? We just did an hour. You want to do another hour? Yes. So I, we cranked up and went for a fifth hour. I mean, another hour, you know. So anyway, uh, it, it's exciting times in which we live, and, it's, and it can either be exciting or deadly how we handle it. Right. Amen. This morning I talked to you a little bit about 3 John, not, not much, but John was over 90 years old, as I said to you this morning when he wrote that. That really talks to me. Whenever I realized that he was over 90 years old and who he was, he was John. He wasn't a snotty-nosed Bible school student. He wasn't just some kid fresh out of the, fresh out off the farm. I mean, he had been doing this for nine, over 90 years. He had been boiled in oil. He had been exiled to Patmos. He had had all kinds of miracles in his own ministry. He knew all those other disciples, knew Paul, knew Jesus personally. I mean, this is John. And yet at the end of his life and at the end of his ministry, he writes his very last letter. Now, I'm sure John and Paul and, and the rest of them, James, I'm sure they wrote many letters to the churches. But only certain ones, the Holy Ghost said, should be in the Bible. So we have 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Uh, but there's no telling how many letters he actually wrote. But three of them, the Holy Ghost said, the church 2,000 years from now needs this. They're going to need this. So, he, so the Holy Spirit put 1 John, 2 John, 3 John in the Bible. Amen. And so this morning I said to you, he said, Beloved, I, I pray above all things, above everything else. That's a heavy statement for a 90-year-old. Above everything else. I want you to prosper and be healthy. And I thought, well, isn't that weird? I mean, he could have said build a church or build a Bible school or be spiritual. But he said something as carnal is be healthy and be prosperous. If I could just have one thing, if I could just tell you one thing, if I could just give you one secret in my 90 years, prosper and be healthy. I thought, wow, that's a heavy duty 
That's pretty serious. And then he tells us why in verse 5. He says, so you can do good to the brethren, meaning Christians. So you can do good to the strangers, meaning sinners. And then in verse 8, so you can be fellow helpers to the truth. What's the truth? The word of God is the truth. So John's saying, look, you got to fulfill the Great Commission. you got to get the gospel to the world. And if you're going to do it, you're going to do that, you're going to have to have two things. You're going to have to have health and you're going to have to have money. Isn't that right? You know, this church building and sanctuary and all this stuff in here, this is all not for Bob and Nid. It's for the brethren. Right? The brethren like nice soft chairs, especially they got along with the preacher. The brethren like carpet. The brethren like air conditioning. The brethren like electricity. They like, I don't know what you call these anymore. They used to be overheads, and now they're, I guess, monitors. Those are expensive. We don't have to have those up. We can just tell you, hey, turn to 3 John. Yeah. But no, we got three of them in here. Oh, just two. I thought there was one over here, too. We got, we got, oh, there's, I, I thought there was three. So it, the Trinity. <laughs> so, so we got three of them in here for no other reason than to make life easier and church easier on the brethren, on you. Spent money for that stuff just so you don't can be lazy enough to not turn in your Bible. Right? It's not for Bob and Ned, it's for you. And then we buy these instruments. The, the keyboards cost money, the guitars cost money, the microphones cost money. Everything in here costs money. The parking lot costs money. Everything you do costs money, and it's all for the bread. This isn't even for sinners. Now, every now and then, a sinner will wander in and get saved, and that's wonderful, but that's not what happens in here. That's not what this is for. It's okay, and God likes it, and I like it, and you like it, but still, it's for the brethren, not for the stranger. Now, every time a pastor starts a building program, I always have a love-hate relationship. And when a pastor starts a building program, some dear saint, man or woman, will come to the pastor and say, Now, pastor, you know that the church is not brick and mortar. It's not the four walls. The people are the church. And they come tell me that nonsense. And I always, I always tell them, Yeah, but you're just not spiritual enough. I've never met a Christian yet in America. I have overseas. But I've never met a Christian yet in America that's spiritual enough to go sit out here in the field with no air conditioning, no lights, no chairs out there with the bugs. I guess we're in Florida, so alligators. <laughs> uh, we realize the church is the people, but the people want the preacher comfort, which nothing wrong with, but it costs money. And then if you're going to do something to help the strangers, the sinners, it's going to cost you money. If you get on TV, if you get on radio, if you do books, if you do tracks, if you do any of this, if you do the JMICF with me and Renee, and, and you do this church helps us a lot. You know, this church has been helping me with disaster relief for, I guess, since we first met. I remember Ned getting out and going to big lots and, and buying big old tubes of toothpaste. When I called him one time and I said, "Hey, uh, Cuba's had a had a hurricane, and uh, they can't get anything, and even a little old tube of toothpaste like this cost them eight dollars." And so she went to big lots and got tubes like this for. And we shipped them to Cuba. I mean, y'all have helped me with disaster relief forever. And Well, that's for the stranger. That's helping them. That's not building the church here. 
right? And then helping those, those, those gypsy pastors, helping those orphan kids. That's all for the strangers, right? And it all costs money. And it also costs health because if I'm not healthy, I can't go. Because I actually have to get on a plane and fly over there and, <laughs> you know, train those gypsy pastors and minister to those kids and do the things I do and put on a crusade. And, and it, takes, it takes a toll physically to do all that stuff. But it takes lots and 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 lots of money. Amen. So why the church wants to fight prosperity messages and healing messages, I've never figured that out because we all, we all want to be healthy and we all want to have money. It's like we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Because God said, I want you to prosper. John said, I want above everything else that you would prosper. And that you would be in health. Why, John? So that you can do good to the brethren, good to the stranger, and be fellow helper to getting the word out. There's no telling how many Bibles I have sent around the world. I, I remember in the early days of, of smuggling Bibles to Russia. Uh, in every communist country, there's always an official church it's just a it's a puppet church but it's the official church and so you send stuff through that official church and the government monitors it and has spies in there and and uh, nobody's better than communists at surveillance and spying and so they they always have live spies in the audience now and nowadays they have electronic surveillance as well and so in in those days in moscow in russia it was the first baptist church was the official uh church and so every church in america that wanted to or you or your grandma or whoever that wanted to send a bible to russia that's where it went to is that church it was the official church that received bibles from overseas and so i, I went one year uh when it was still the soviet union it was still the, the wall was still up it was still communist it, everything was still illegal blah 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 blah. but i went anyway and uh and so I went to that church, knowing that I had sent lots of Bibles through that church, knowing that my friends had sent lots of Bibles through that church. I thought, I'll just go check on the church. And it was a Baptist church. I didn't know what I'd hear preached, but I thought, well, I'll go and see how, how it is. And so I went, and, and when I walked in the door, uh, big church, big church downtown Moscow, and uh, they just had cases and cases and cases and cases and cases and cases and cases of Bibles everywhere. And when I walked in the front door, I mean the big foyer, but it was narrowed down because they had so many cases of Bibles. I thought, man, this is cool. They got lots of Bibles. And then as I walk, I just kind of walked around the church and I'd open the door and look in it, and there's stacks of cases of Bibles in this little room, stacks of Bibles in this little room, cases of Bibles in this room. And I thought, that's good. Praise the Lord. America's sending these Bibles over here. That's great. And so uh, while I'm sitting in the service listening to the pastor preach, some little babushka, little grandmother, sitting behind me, tapped me on the shoulder. And uh, I turned around and, and, and said, Die. And she said, She said, did her hands like this. She said, Biblia, same word as it is in Spanish, Bible, Biblia. And I said, Biblia. And I held my Biblia. And she said, Da, da. I said, uh, You don't have a, 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 a Bible? She said, Nit, nit, no. And I said, You want a Bible? Da, da, da. And so somebody else tapped me and said, Biblia. And somebody else tapped me and said, Biblia. And so I just waited around after church and went to see the pastor. And uh, went in his office and, you know, knocked on the door and came in and said, may I speak to you, sir? And he said, of course. And I said, I'm Terry Myers, and, you know, I'm just over here from America, and I'm a, I'm a minister, missionary. And I said, I, I noticed that you've got Bibles everywhere, just stacks of Bible, cases of Bibles everywhere. He said, yes. He spoke very good English. And I said, uh, he said, yes. And I said, I said, but your people are asking me for Bibles. I said, the little 
little ladies, little men out here, they're just asking me for, for a B-list. And, and he said, yeah. And I said, well, <laughs> your question's obvious. <laughs> I said, why don't they have Bibles since you have so many? And he said, my people don't need Bibles. They need to do what I tell them. And, and, and the hackles stood up on the back of my neck. <laughs> and I said, uh, could you repeat that, please? I want to make sure I heard what, what ignorant you said. And so he said it again. And I said, so you don't let your people have Bibles? He said, no, they don't need Bibles. They do what I tell them. And I said, well, uh, may I ask you what you do with all these Bibles you've got everywhere? And he said, we sell them. And I said, America sends them to you for free, and you sell them. He said, that's right. I said, do you know Americans would not like that? He said, I don't care what America likes. And I said, well, who do you sell them to if you won't sell them to your people? He said, we sell them in the parks, and we sell them downtown, and we just sell them here and there and everywhere else. And I said, and, and, and why do you do that? I said, America gives them to you for free, and you sell them. What do you do with the money? He said, we use it to build buildings. And I said, do you realize that I could go back to America and raise money for you to build buildings, that Americans would build your buildings for you? But you need to give the Bibles to the people. He said, no, I don't care what America thinks. So we had a few more words, and I got up and left. And I came home. And I told Jackie, my wife at the time, I said, I said, I will never send another Bible through channels, legal channels, again. I said, we are going to send Bibles through, through uh, Finland, over to Latvia, and the underground church. I know the underground, I know how to do that. And I said, we're, and so the last I counted, Bob, we had sent over half a million Bibles uh, uh, in, in that first couple of years. We sent over a half a million Bibles. Uh, but see, if we're going to get the truth out, the word, the truth, it's going to cost money. Nowadays, you can just go to Russia and buy a Bible, go in the store and buy a Bible. We can, same way with China, you can just go buy a Bible. Uh, they're still illegal in a lot of areas, but you still can go buy one, you know. Uh, but uh, we, uh, John just made it so clear to us, and we, we, the church, are going to have to get the revelation that God wants us to prosper. Because the more prosperous you are, the more healthy you are, the more you can do for God. And the more, the, more, the more sick you are and the more poverty-stricken you are, the less you can do for God. Now, that, don't take me wrong. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you if you're sick and God doesn't love you if you're poor. No, no, no. He loves you dearly. It's just that you can't do for God what he wants you to do for him. And you can't do for God what you want to do for him if you're sick and poor. Now, you still love God, and you can still pray, and you can still do some good things and, and, and praise the Lord for it. But I'm just saying you're, you're handicapped in what you can do if you have bad health and if you have, uh, don't have finances. You, you know, I, I ask churches this all the time. I say, what, what if, Pastor, what if everybody in your church, everybody, every single person, what if everyone uh, had all their needs met, all their bills paid, they owed nobody nothing, zero, nothing. Their house is paid for, their car is paid for, everything's paid for, they have no bills. Then what would you do with all that faith you've been using on getting you money? You could use it on the world. 
And what would happen, Pastor, if nobody in your church was sick, everybody's healthy, everybody's fine, everybody's great, no, not a sickness in the church, nothing, no money's having to go out for medical bills, nothing, nothing, no faith's having to go out for medical, medical stuff, then what would you do with all that faith you're having to use? Your, see, most Christians spend all their faith on themselves. It's Lord bless me, Lord bless me, Lord bless me, Lord pay my bills, Lord heal my body. You know, me, 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 me. Brother Hagin used to say, you know, me, my wife, son, his wife, us four, no more. But, but uh, uh, what if we had our needs met? What if we had all this corporate faith that we had nothing to spend it on, on ourselves, and so we just got together and say, hey, let's get together Monday night and pray for missions, pray for the world, pray for, pray for orphans, pray for you know, sinners, pray for this, pray for that. Amen. Because whatever we do is going to cost us money, and whatever we do is going to cost us more. Numbers of years ago, I was just about to have a big crusade in Africa, and, and I had a board meeting. And, and so I lived in Corpus Christi where Dean and they had their church at the time. And Jackie and I lived there in Corpus. And so I had my board members come in. And after the board meeting was over, I took several of my board me members, including Dean, uh, out deep sea fishing there in, in, in Corpus in the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, the kid that, that told us he was a Coast Guard uh, captain was not. And uh, he got us out there and did some stupid stuff on some pretty high waves and and uh, I, I had gone up to see about somebody up, up front, and he hit a wave, and it threw me way up in the air. And, and when I came down, I came down on my right ankle wrong, and it just, it just twisted my foot or, around, you know, where it's going the other way. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, we had to, they had to, you know, Dean and the guys had to help get me to the back of the boat and then get into the hospital, and they did surgery, and, and, and they did all that and the doctor said you have you have dislocated every bone in your foot that they're all messed up he said there's none broken but they're they're just totally out of whack and he said so i'm doing surgery and i'm putting pins in them to put the bones back together uh and then then, then they'll grow you know and they'll be fine in a few weeks and we'll take the take the pins out and i said well doc i got to go to africa and do a crusade he said oh no 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 you can't go to africa i said well sure i can I, i'm gonna go do a crusade he said, he said, Jerry, listen to me. He said, if you get in the third world country and you break one of those pins, he said, it's going to be really, really bad. You, <laughs> I do not want you going to Africa with these pins. I mean, I looked like I had a radio antenna sticking out my feet. I had these pins sticking out everywhere. You know, they're not internal. They're, they're, out, they're, going out and they're sticking up out, out of my body. So I, I had to cancel the deal. And I called so many preacher friends of mine and said, would you go to Africa and preach my crusade? No. Would you go to Africa and preach my crusade? No. Would you go to Africa and preach my crusade? No. I couldn't get one. Not one. I called guys that you hadn't heard of. I called guys that you have heard of. And, and they, you know. So I grieved over that because I said, Lord, because, I, because I'm like this, people are going to go to hell. Because if they don't go hear, if they don't hear the gospel, I'm going to go preach the gospel. If they don't hear the gospel and they die, they're going to go to hell. So because I don't have good health, then they're going to go to hell. So you need to be healthy, and you need to be prosperous, so they don't go to hell. Amen. You know, for years I would uh, I've, I've preached missions conferences. Very few churches anymore have missions conferences. Very few. I mean, I mean, just a minute. Some do, but just a minute bunch. And the ones that do don't don't know how to do it, so they don't do it very well. And and I've taught several how to do it, and so most of them have followed a lot of my advice, not all of it, it'd be better meetings. But in uh, 
for years and years and years, every time I'd go into a town to do a missions conference in a church or a pastor wanted me to raise his missions budget for him, I'd go to the local printer and, uh, and I'd have these stickers printed up. And, and I just had one word on them, perishable. And, and, and you know, they're, 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 you, know you can tear them. They're, they're all individual, you know, and uh, like that. And then he'd peel that off and stick it on stuff. And so I'd preach and I'd say, look, everything, everything you can see, hear, smell, taste, touch is perishable. It's not going to last. Paul made it very plain to us that there are two worlds. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, he said, it sounds like double talk if you just read it, but if you stop and look at what he said, he's saying there's two worlds. And he's saying, while we look not, we don't look at the things we can see, smell, taste, touch, feel, but we look at the things we cannot see. He said, for the things that we can see are temporal or temporary or they'll pass away or they won't last or they're perishable, right? And he said, and the things that we can't see are eternal. There's two worlds. And Christians don't seem to be aware that there's two worlds. You know, you, you know back, in the, back in the day when we were kids and we had science fiction stuff, you know, and you had, you, had, you know, all these different movies and stuff. I, I, mean, I don't know how many, how, you know, I don't know how many of y'all, you know, might be Star Wars, you know, fans <laughs> or Star Trek fans, excuse me. Uh, you know how you know how how Kurt would say beam me up, Scotty, and they'd go over here and get in this little tube that was called a teleporter, and they'd get in this little tube and then they'd they'd dematerialize their cells and everything and break down, and then they'd show up somewhere else and come back together, and, and we call that the fourth dimension. Science fiction calls that the fourth dimension, and uh, they call that teleporting, right? Well, God thought that up. Right? Only God calls it translation. You know, the church calls it translation. Peter, uh, Philip was preaching out here in the desert with the eunuch, and all of a sudden it said that he was found at Azotus preaching and having miracles. What do you mean he was found there? How did he get there? Well, he, he stepped into this other world. That other world is just right here. See, Christians don't get this. Christians think that heaven's a gazillion miles away. And Christians think every time a, an angel showed up, any time in the Bible, Old Testament or New, and an angel showed up in Peter's prison cell or, or, or wherever, it doesn't matter, uh, that they think that they came by flapping those wings from heaven for the last 16 light years to get to you. No, they just stepped out of that world into this world. Because it's real. It's just right there. And that's how Jesus got away whenever it says that he preached and they didn't like what he preached. So it says they took him out to the edge of a cliff. They were going to cast him down headlong. And it says, and he just disappeared and walked through their midst. Well, what did he do? He just stepped in this, in that other world. And he walked out behind the crowd and stepped back into this world and went on about his business. You know, John chapter 6 says that Jesus walked on the water and went out to where the boys were in the boat. And, and, and I love this. The Bible makes a very distinct point, Morgan, to tell you that the wind was calm. Why is that important? Because those are wind-blown ships. So in other words, it isn't going anywhere. The boys have been out there all night trying to get to the other side. And it says, now the wind is calm. There was a great calm. So this wind-blown ship isn't going anywhere, right? 
But the Bible says when Jesus stepped into the boat, that immediately the boat was found at the other side where it was going in the first place. Well, how did it get there? God just put it over in this dimension. Beam me up, Scotty. And and materialized it back over here at the port where they were going. But see, Christians don't think in those terms. The church, the church has gotten so. Oh, and let me say this to you. Now go on. Uh, and so I'd give these to people in every place I'd go to. I'd go to a local printer and have them printed. And then I'd give them. I said, take ten of these, twenty of these, a hundred of these, a thousand. I don't care how many you take. I'm paying for it. Just take however many you want and take them home and stick one on the car, perishable. Stick one on the house, perishable. Stick one on the furniture, perishable. Stick one on the antiques, perishable. Stick one on the bass boat, perishable. Stick one on the uh, you know, on your jewelry, it's perishable. Stick one on your head, it's perishable. <laughs> if you can see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, it's not real. Right? It's perishable. It won't last. Right? Does that make sense to you? See, we've been trained by our own experience and by our parents and by our friends and by our relatives and by everything we do that whatever we can touch is real. If we can contact it in the five physical senses, it's real. If we can see it, it's real, taste it, it's real, smell it, it's real, touch it, it's real, taste it, it's real, it's real. But Paul said it's not. Paul said if you can see it, touch, touch it, touch it, it's perishable. It will not last. Have y'all looked in the mirror lately? You don't look like you used to. Things go south. I was with a bunch of teenagers here a while back and, 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 and a couple of three little old teenage girls saw a couple of little white-headed ladies, you know, and kind of bent over, and they were walking, and they said something to them. About it. I, said, I said, hey, girls. I said, they used to be cute like you. Probably cuter. Certainly probably had more manners in class. And I said, and you're going to look like them. <gasps> no, we're not. Yes, you are. I said, you see these little gray-headed ladies? They got a little extra weight on them, and they got their hair's kind of tinged blue now, and they're walking a little bit. They used to be gorgeous 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old girls. Because things don't stay the same. I was on a cruise ship one day. My wife and I was on a cruise ship, and these two elderly ladies walked past us, and uh, they were on the way to dinner, and they had ball gowns on. And, and, and the one had a, had a pretty low cowl neck in the back showing a lot of her back and and on her back there was a tattoo <laughs> and it said forever 18 <laughs> you think I'm making this up <laughs> and it was kind of wiggly <laughs> it, it was kind of saggy here here and there and I said to my wife I said she didn't think that through <laughs> when she was 18 <laughs> because things change it's perishable you can go down here to Miami and go to some clothing emporium and spend thousands of dollars on a suit or a dress or a pair of shoes thousands and I mean walk right out of there and just walk by one thing and get a snack and it's ruined they don't last they don't last your house isn't going to last. I don't care what it's made out of. It's not going to last. 
your car's not going to last. I get so tickled to people that go buy a brand new car, and then they, then they, when they go to Walmart or Costco or Sam's, they park way out in the parking lot, <laughs> and they take up four spaces so nobody can get around them, because they're just and they're tormented every day. And now when they go to bed, they're just tormented. That car's going to get a scratch on it. Well, I got news for you, it will. I tell people all the time, I can, I, can, I can help you relax just when you get it. Just kick a dent in it, and then, then it's over. It's, just, it's done. Then you don't have to sit every night saying, oh, what if somebody, what if somebody, uh, just, get, just go on with it. Put one of these stickers on it. It's, it's, it's perishable. But we need to be aware of that world over here that's more real than this world because this world is perishable. And this world is eternal. Amen? And we live out of this one. And you, you look, see, see, the church has gotten so, so Hollywood-minded. The, the church now is trying to outworld the world. And you can't outworld the world. They're better at it than you are. And they'll always be better at it than you are. Unless you just totally backslide and become a reprobate. But they're, they're going to have better world stuff, right? And so I see churches now, they turn the lights out when they sing. They try to look like a nightclub, try to look like a bar. They, they, they try to, let's, let's get more and more like the world so we'll attract more people. How's that worked? It hasn't. Because used to, the sinners over here in the bars and in the nightclubs and in the stuff and doing the drugs and doing the booze and doing the this and doing the that, and, and they're miserable and dying. And so they say, where can we go to get some help? And they say, let's go to the church. So they go to the church and say, man, these people are different. But now the church is trying to be like them, so why would they leave that to come here when you're a second-rate one of those? You're trying to act like them instead of come out from among them and be ye separate. Where they can look at you and see light and life. See, Jesus had a three, threefold mission. It was love and light and life. Everything with God is love and light and life. And so churches to turn the lights out is just totally a violation of the Scripture. There's nowhere in the Bible anywhere that says God's dark. It says in Him there's no variableness. There's no shadow of turning. Right? He is the light. And so the more we try to be like the world, the, 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 the less of a church we are. And how are we going to help anybody? But we look to Hollywood, and nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, Hollywood does a great job being Hollywood, you know. They're messed up, but they do a great job being who they are. And uh, Hollywood has all these special effects. And so we go watch a movie, and there's, it's just full of special effects. And when they shoot somebody, blood and brains goes everywhere. Renee and I was watching a movie the other night. Oh, my Lord, this car's driving down the highway, and... Somebody shot a gun at it. You know, just a pistol. I mean, the car blows up, which is impossible. It goes up in the air, which is impossible. It flips over two or three times, which is impossible. It lands on the other side of the highway, and four or five cars hit it, and then they all do the same thing. And it's just really sensational. And it's really spectacular. Right? Because that's what they do. But... Christians have bought into that all these years until we've gotten desensitized to where when we read the Bible and we read all those miracles in the Bible, they're kind of boring to us. 
because we want them to be sensational. And we want them to be spectacular. But they're not. They're miraculous. See, God doesn't want your life to be sensational. He doesn't want your life to be spectacular. He wants your life to be miraculous. But if we don't watch it, we start looking at miracles and say, boring. Because we want the blood and the splatter and the, and the explosions and, the, and all the special effects. A number of years ago, numbers of years ago now, when my grandsons were, were about this big, they're all this big now, and some of them are this big in the Air Force and overseas in Saudi Arabia. And stuff. But when they're this big, I was taking them deer hunting. And did every year, forever. And uh, early in the morning, we stopped at a Cracker Barrel. And y'all have Cracker Barrel in Florida. We, we stopped at a Cracker Barrel and had breakfast. And so we left to go get back in the vehicle and go on down to where we're deer hunting at. And as we walked out to pay the bill, Ned, there was, a, there was a rack there that had CDs on it and DVDs on it. And I looked at it, and it had shows on there that I was raised on. I mean, that I love. I mean, it had Lone Ranger. It had Gunsmoke. It had Lassie. It had Ren Tin Tin. It had Sky King. I mean, I said, guys, look at this. Papa was raised on this stuff. You'll love this. And boy, I just bought them, you know. And we got out to the car, and I ripped one open, and I stuck it in the tape machine, and, took, and I took off driving down the road, and they're back there watching, and I'm just driving along thinking, man, they're watching, they're watching my stuff, you know. And uh, in about 15 minutes, one of them said, Papa, do we have to watch this? I said, you don't like that? No, it's boring. And I said, boring. That's the Lone Ranger, man. <laughs> but it dawned on me there's no special effects. And they're used to special effects. And I thought while I was driving along, I thought, you know, the Lone Ranger, every time he ever, 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 ever shot somebody, he always shot the gun out of their hand, always. Never shot a person, shot the gun out of their hand. No blood, nothing. And in Matt Dillon, on Gunsmoke, everybody Matt drew on, he killed Every time. Never injured anybody, killed them dead. But never a spot of blood. Never a speck of blood. Never, 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 never. But these shows today, blood and guts and brains go everywhere. And so they were bored because there's no special effects. There's nothing sensational. There's nothing spectacular. And that's exactly what's happened to the church. So we, we read, the, we all know the Bible stories. We all know about the little lady with the, with the meal and the oil, you know, and the, the prophet came down and said, lady, make me a cake. And she said, well, I don't have enough to make you a cake. I'm a, I've got enough for two cakes, and I'm going to make a, I, I came outside to get two sticks to build a fire, and I'm going to make two cakes, and, I, and my son and myself are going to eat it, and we're going to die. That's her future. And he said, lady, make me a cake first. And she did. And when she made him a cake first, there's enough left for her son and herself. So she thought she had enough for two, and she actually had enough for three. So he just moved in with her. Scandal in the church. <laughs> CBS, NBC, you know, Fox, MSNBC, all of them. Scandal in the church. Preacher shacking up with a widow woman. <laughs> and every morning, and the Bible says he lived with her, Ned, for a year. The King James says, for a season, you look in the margin, it says, for a year. So every morning, 
she had to, in faith, take that little bit of oil she had, that little bit of meal she had, and make that profit a cake first. And then she had enough for her son a cake and herself a cake. And then at noon she made the profit a cake first, and then her son a cake and herself a cake. And at nighttime she made the profit a cake and herself a cake and her son a cake. And she made three, six, and nine cakes a day for a year, 3,285 cakes. And she thought she only had enough for two. But Elijah said an important thing to her. He said, lady, make me a cake first and after. Make yourself and your son a cake. So see, he says now there's an after. A while ago she said there's no after. We're going to eat two cakes and die. There is no after. He said, lady, you make me a cake first and there's an after. See, that wasn't about him. God wasn't trying to take care of the preacher. Grubby old prosperity preacher tells a widow woman to give him her food. No, that's not what that was about. God was already feeding him with the birds and the, and the brook. God can take care of him. This is about taking care of her and her son or they're going to die. So God takes care of her. Her giving produced a harvest. Her seed produced a harvest for a year. Right? But see, people don't think of it that way. And they don't think of it as being miraculous they just get disappointed because it's not sensational. They, they, they like to imagine, Christians like to imagine it. when she went in there and picked up that, that bottle of oil, it just began to vibrate and, and just start squirting oil everywhere because that would be what Hollywood would do. That's, that's sensational. That's spectacular. Then she picked up the meal and all of a sudden meals all over the house, you know. Well, no, obviously it didn't happen that way. If she had had food, her neighbors would kill her. Yeah, there's a famine in the land. If they knew she had a house full of meal and oil, they'd have killed her for it. But she just had a little bit. And in faith, she had to give to God first every time. But see, that's not sensational and it's not spectacular. But it is miraculous. But we get kind of bored with this. It's not too cool. Big deal, she made a cake. 3,285 times. See, it's miraculous. Years ago, Bob, I was living in Tulsa, and I said to the Lord one day, I said, I said, Father, if you'd let me run this thing, if I were you, thank God I'm not, but if I were you, I said, I, I would show Oral, or Robert, or Dad, Brother Hagel, where the Ark of the Covenant is. I said, surely you know where it is. Indiana Jones found it. You, I'm, I'm, sure you know, I'm, I'm sure you know where it is. And I said, that'd be so cool. And Oral could take it and put it at the prayer tower at ORU. And people could come from all over the world by the billions, by, by the millions, billions, and march around and see the Ark of the Covenant and move the lid off. And there's the Ten Commandments. There's Aaron's rod that budded. There's the showbread. And the people would come from around the world and they'd say, yes, God's real. I said, that would be so cool. And the Lord said to me, no, it wouldn't. It'd be sensational and spectacular. And I'm not interested in sensational and spectacular. I'm interested in miraculous. I said, oh, never mind. <laughs> See, God's never, ever, ever, ever tried to prove to people who he is. He says, I'll bless you if you believe me and believe that I am. If you believe in something you can't see, I'll bless you for it. But any idiot can believe in stuff they can see. Right? 
I mean, neither it would be so easy for God to prove he's God. And then every fool would know. But he's not interested in that. He wants you to believe by faith. He wants you to hear the word, believe the word, right? He doesn't want sensational. He doesn't want spectacular. I remember in 1969, I, I, was, I was youth leader at our church, and we put a man on the moon. Y'all remember that? And I had people run to me and say, Brother Terry, Brother Terry, we put a man on the moon. It's a, it's, it's a miracle. And I said, oh, no, it's not a miracle. It's sensational, and it's spectacular, but it's not a miracle. See, my definition, Morgan, of a miracle has always been because God. If you can explain it, it's not a miracle. If you can explain it, if science can explain it, if any, a doctor can explain it, if anybody can explain it, it's not a miracle. A miracle is because God. And I said, it's not a miracle. It's sensational and spectacular. It just took a, we know how we did it, and we can do it again. It just took an expenditure of a few billion dollars. It took some men and women with some intestinal fortitude and the guts to get in that bird and fly it to the moon and get out and drive a Jeep around and pick up some rocks and bring them home. That's sensational. I think it's cool. I like it. But it's not a miracle. We know how we did it. In fact, India just did it two weeks ago. You know, the only three people that have been to the moon is, is, is Russia, China, and America. And now India sent a rocket up a couple weeks ago. I hadn't heard yet if it crashed or burned or... Or if they got there, I don't know. But uh, we know how to do it. My kids used to run to me and they'd say, Daddy, Daddy, we got our homework done. It's a miracle. I don't know. It's not a miracle. It's not a, not a miracle. It's sensational. It's spectacular. And I'm proud of you. But it's not a miracle. You know how you did it. You can do it again. Amen. So we, we're going to have to get ourselves, the church is going to have to get back to ex expecting miracles. Expecting the supernatural, yes. expecting the creative miracles. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. I, I, was, I was talking to some of the folks before before the service, and I said, you know, I, I prayed for. Uh, I was in a tent meeting in Springfield, Missouri, years ago, and I I just prayed a crusade prayer. I didn't lay hands on anybody. I just prayed a crusade prayer for miracles. And then I said, now do the impossible. Do what you couldn't do. It's it's, it's vital. It's vital that when you're believing for a miracle, you do the impossible. You do what you can. Everybody Jesus healed. Everybody Jesus healed. He told them to go do the impossible. Take up your bed and walk. Go show yourself to the priest. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Go do something impossible. Do what you couldn't do. And, uh, you know, act your faith. God's a faith God, and faith demands action. He wants you to act something. And so, uh, and so uh, uh, I was telling people, do what you couldn't do. do you know, ch check it out. See what God's doing. And I saw a guy about halfway down the, we're in a big tent, about halfway down the sawdust trail there. The guy was out in the middle just, just squatting down all the way down to the floor and standing back up, squatting down, standing up, squatting down, standing up. And people would come up and tell me I'm healed of this or that or the other, and we'd have testimonies. And every now and then I'd look at that guy, and he's still out there squatting down, standing up. And so uh, we'd praise the Lord, and then some other people would come give their testimonies, and we'd praise the Lord, and I'm, he's still doing the same thing. So finally I said, sir, he looked up at me, and I said, come, come here. What did God do for you? And he said, Preacher, have I got a story for you? And I said, well, what is it? And he said, he said I, I, the doctor several months ago did surgery on me, and they put a steel rod in my leg from my hip to my ankle. And I walked stiff-legged. And he said, everybody knows it. And he said, well, you said do the impossible, so I am. And he started doing it again, going all the way down, back up. Bawling. And I looked over at the pastor, and he's just bawling. I mean, tears running down his face, his mouth open like that. I said, Pastor, do you know this guy? He said, yeah, I'm his pastor. I said, is this true? He said, it's absolutely true. He can't walk. He, he, he walks stiff-legged. 
And I said, young man, I said, I want you to go back to the doctor tomorrow, and I want you to get an X-ray and bring it to me. And he said, well, that's not a problem. I work at the hospital. And so he came back the next night, and he had two X-rays. One had the date on it of several weeks ago with the steel rod in his leg, just as plain as you can be. And then he had one dated that morning with no steel rod but just bone. For God had taught, and that's a creative miracle. See, well, well, where did that come from? It came from out of the world. What happened to the steel rod? Went to the other world. You know, Peter's a professional fisherman. And he's out there fishing all night long. Because he had a fishing company. He was in business with partners, and they had a fishing business, and they fished, and in that part of the world, they fish at night there in the Sea of Galilee. And so he had fished all night long and caught nothing. He knew how to fish. He was a professional. Did it for a living. And so Jesus comes along in, in the morning, and he's out there cleaning the nets and cleaning the boat and all that stuff. And Jesus said, hey, uh, cast out in the deep and let down your nets. And he said, sir, I'm a professional fisherman, and you know nothing about fishing. And uh, there's no fish. I fished all night long. My partners fished all night long. There's no fish. But nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. And so he shoves off and gets out there and lets the net down. And I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a net breaking, boat sinking load of fish. So he yells at his partners and Andrew and the boys up there on the shore and said, y'all come help. And they shove their boat out there and they got out there and let their net down and there's a net breaking boat sinking load of fish. Now I was having breakfast with my friend Rick Renner here a while back and we were talking about some of these things in the Bible and, uh, and I said, yeah, I said, yeah it, it, isn't that cool about that blah 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 blah. He said, yeah Terry, said, you know something? He said uh, that boat that Peter and those guys used he said, it's still used today. That same boat has never changed pattern. The design has never, ever been changed. It's in museums in Israel. Uh, the plans are there. They're all made the same. They've been made that way for 2,000 years. And he said, we know what size they are. We know how to make them. And we know what their load capacity is. And he said, they will hold 6,000 pounds before they sink. Well, you just stop and think now. These are professional fishermen. They sell fish for money. And they got two 6,000-pound loads of fish. So they brought 12,000 pounds of fish to the shore and sold it and then went to work for Jesus. Well, the question is, where did those fish come from? They weren't there. They weren't there. They came from this world. children of Israel out there in the wilderness and they're hungry and they're complaining and saying we wish we were back in, Europe, in, in Egypt we, we're so tired we, we missed the food they even said I thought this was so dumb they said we even missed the cucumbers yeah. <laughs> you're going to miss something you're going to miss a cucumber <laughs> how about a hamburger or a <laughs> and uh, God said alright alright you want meat? I'll give you meat. He said, I'm going to give you quail on toast. I'm going to give you manna and quail. Remember how much that cost today? And he said, and you're not going to get it for one day. And you're not going to get it for two days. 
And you're not going to get it for three days. You're not going to get it for five days. You're going to get it until it's running out your nose and you're sick of it. That's what God said. You ought to go read it. And so the next day it says that the quail, take this phrase right here, the quail came out of the sea. They did what? I'm a quail hunter. They don't come out of the sea. Man, I got my shotgun, and sometimes I'm by myself. Sometimes I got the dog, and uh, I'll go kick around the bushes. The dog will go up there and bust a cubby, and I mean 15 will run out or 10 will run out or 5 will run out. But this, this says that the quail came out of the sea, and they were a cubit, two, a cu two cubits deep. A cubit is a foot and a half. So they're two cubits. That's, they're three feet deep of quail. For a day's journey this way and a day's journey this way. So there's two days walking three feet deep of quail. Where they come from? They came from that world. Came out of the sea. Um, you ain't never seen that many quail. And all I can think is, thank God I didn't have to clean them. <laughs> I've cleaned my fair share of quail. And I'm talking three feet deep, a day's journey that way, and a day's journey that way. That's a lot of quail, Bob. Well, where'd they come from? That other world. They didn't just show up like the quail I hunt. You know, I get five at a time or 10 or 15 at a time, but a day's journey that way and that way, three feet deep. They wanted water. They're out there in the desert, and God said, hit the rock. Yeah. Moses hit the rock, and here comes water enough for three million Jews. Where did it come from? It didn't come out of that rock. Beam me up, Scotty. Amen. See, God specializes in that fourth dimension. I don't know if that's what you call it or not. That's what I call it because when I was a kid, that's what science fiction stuff called it, the fourth dimension. Isn't that amazing? And if you go back and look at every one of those stories in the Bible, all those miracles you've heard all your life, just like the little lady at the mill and the oil, where did it come from? Where did it come from? Enough to, she had this much and it fed them for a year. Where did it come from? came out of that other world. And we Christians have got to start being aware of that other world. It, it's more real than this world. And Paul said, quit looking at this world. You're looking at the wrong world. I've always said, you know, we should be, we should be on first name basis at, uh, with the teller at the bank of heaven. Like you are at the teller at your bank. Or at least like your granddad was. I'm not sure we have tellers at banks anymore. Isn't that amazing? But there's a real bank of heaven. You have a real bank account there. You make deposits there and withdrawals there, according to the Bible. Jesus said to us, he said, uh, tip, I got a tip for you. Don't lay it up here. Yeah. He said, here, the, the rust and the moth and the corruption will get it. He said, lay it up there. Deposit it in that bank. Right. Then the rust and corruption can't get it, and it'll be there when you want it. 
That other world's just more real than this world. We just we just are so dumbed down that we're we're only sensitive to this world. And this world is uh, perishable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not going to last. So don't look at this world. Look at that world. You know, you're needing, you're needing a car, you're needing a house, you're needing the clothes, you're needing this, you're needing that, you're needing something else, you need a new kidney or a new heart or a new world. Well, God's got them. God's got them. They're just this close. They're just right there in that world right there. So we just got to tap into how to get them out of there to here. And I'll quit, but I, 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 how many of you know I can give you lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of more stories? Not only of Bible stories, but in my own life, miracles in my own life. It just, God just did the miraculous. Because he's not sensational, he's not spectacular, he's miraculous. You know, I'm a pilot, and because I'm a pilot, I, I enjoy aviation. I enjoy the laws of aerodynamics and the laws of aviation, all that kind of stuff. And uh, sci science has proved, and the greatest minds in the world of, of aviation and aerodynamics and aeronautical stuff and all that kind of business, will tell you that they have proved it's an absolute fact that bumblebees cannot fly. Is that me? Is she talking to me again? Nope, not me. It's that other world. Just a minute, I'll be right back. <laughs> And, you know, science has proved that a bumblebee absolutely cannot fly. It defies all the laws of aviation, all the laws of aerodynamics. Their body's too big, their wings are too small. It's impossible. But how many of you know they do? Yeah. We've all seen them fly. <laughs> and if you went and asked a bumblebee, say, excuse me, Mr. Bumblebee, I've got a question for you. How is it possible that you can fly? Because the scientists say your body's too big, your wings are too small. It's absolutely impossible for you to fly. How do you do that? He'd just smile and say, because God. There is no explanation for it. Scientists can't explain it. That means it's a miracle. Amen. And we need to start expecting miracles. Oral Roberts taught us that way back, way, way, way back. Expect a miracle. Something good is going to happen to you today. Right? Start expecting that. Start saying that. Because that other world is just right here and it's real. And it's, it's unlimited, and it's got, it's got more quail than you ever thought of. It's got more fish than you ever thought of. Right? It's got manna if you're hungry. I mean, it's got oil and meal. It's, it's got everything you need is there in abundance. All you do is have to tap into it. We need to just quit being so bogged down and be earth-minded. Right? Because we're, we're not citizens of the earth. We're citizens of heaven. Our passports are stamped heaven. And we live here. But don't get comfortable here. This is not your home. You live by different laws. If you don't watch out, you won't. You'll live like everybody else. You'll just be what Paul calls mere men. Well, God never intended you to be mere men or mere women. Intended for you to be supernatural. The supernatural. I ask Christians all the time, so where, where are you from? 
I'm from Chicago. I'm from Ohio. No, no, no. Where are you from? You're from heaven. Where are you going? You're going to heaven. You're just passing through here because God's got a job for you to do. You're you're a traveling salesman. You know, you're you're here to get people saved. You're here to help the church, to bless the church, to win souls. You're here to do what? Do good to the brethren and good to the stranger and be fellow helper to the truth. That's our job. You need to forget this nonsense about being a Republican or a Democrat and start being a Christian. Amen. Like I said this morning, we don't get a vote. We don't get an opinion. God just says, here, do this. This is it. Yeah, but I think, no, I don't care what you think. Here it is. Do this. Yeah, but no, 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 do this. And once we get locked into that, that, hey, I just do this, your life will change. This series right here on Living to Give, and, and I'll, I'll just quit with this, but this series right here has been a long time. I thought we had this at my office because I preached it decades ago and thought, okay, I've got it. But last year at, at, at Southwest Believers, Jerry Savelle got up and was taking up the offering, and Renee and I sit on the front row, and he said, Terry, you know, it's all those years you've been preaching Living to Give. That's so good and so on and so forth. Then he just went on with his, what he was doing. And, I, and my office called me after several days and said, man, we're getting inundated with calls. Won't know what Brother Jerry was talking about that you're, you're doing living to give. And I said, well, stand on the series. They said, what series? I said, we've got a series. They said, no, we don't. I said, you've got to be kidding me. What, what, what bright staff person that I may have had that, that sometime in what, who knows when, however, who knows how many months or years it's been since somebody made the executive decision that, oh, we don't need that. Isn't that nuts? Nobody asked me. I ask them every now and then at the office. I say, this is Terry Mize Ministries, right? <laughs> and I'm Terry Mize. I mean, I ought to have a say, right? But so we went to Michigan recently and, and did four, four sessions, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. On this, this no joke, I am not kidding you, will change your life. It will change your life. It changed my life. Now, I was a Christian anyway all my life. I paid my tithes since I was a little boy. I gave my offerings since I was a little boy, and I didn't expect a thing. Pastor said, don't expect from God. My mama said, don't expect from God. I said, no, not me. I wouldn't put any pressure on God. But, I mean, every time that offering plate passed, I put my money in and never thought about it again, never put a prayer on it, never put faith on it, just, just gave because, Pastor said give, the Bible said give, mama said give. But in 1969, I got drafted in the Army, and I went from having my own business with lots of money to making $128 a month for Uncle Sam and uh, had bills to pay and a brand-new wife and so on and so forth. And uh, so we were in trouble. But that same year, 1969, Oral Roberts wrote a book called Miracle of Seed Faith. And so my wife's grandmother gave it to me. We went out to see her. We had a pass from the Army for several days, and we went out to Oklahoma and saw Jackie's grandmother. And I loved her mom, and she was a Christian. She, she was there when the Holy Ghost first fell. She was there. And so I always loved to talk to her about things of the Lord. And so she said to me, Terry, I just got a book in the mail from Oral Roberts. I think you'd really like it. I said, well, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And she said, here it is. She gave me the Miracle of Seed Faith. Well, I, I took it back to the army with me, and I mean, I just, I devoured it. And there's no way I can even explain to y'all what it did for me, except to tell you what I told Jackie and what I've told Renee numbers of times. It just got born in my spirit. 
I didn't just read it and put it down. It got born in here. And so Oral said, you know, no farmer plants for fun. He plants for profit. And no farmer wakes up in the morning and says to his wife, honey, I'm going to go reap the harvest of the North 40 today, knowing full well he's never planted the North 40. It just doesn't work that way. He said, he said, he said seed time and harvest is such a law that bankers even loan money on it. So the farmer can take a banker a piece of paper and say, look, I've got this many acres, and I need to borrow this much money to buy this much seed, and if I put this much seed that costs this much money in this much acres, I'll get this much harvest, and I can pay you back. And the banker looks at it and says, that's right. If you, get, if you put that much seed in that much acres, you won't get that much harvest. And they'll loan money on it because it's a law of God. Because it's a law of God, it's a law of the world, of nature. And so uh, uh, he said, now, now when you pay your tithe, when you give your tithe, he says, it's not a debt you owe, it's a seed you sow. When you give your tithe and when you give your offerings, he said, pray over it. Never give an offering you don't pray over. Pray over it. Say, Father, I, you know, and I'd never done that in my life. Ned. I'd, I'd gladly give an offerings. I'd gladly give in tithe. But I never prayed over it. Never put any faith on it. You did it because you're supposed to. And boy, I tell you, Oral said, don't you ever give an offering that you don't pray over. So we started praying on it and putting faith on it. And so we were, we were actually realized that you can, if you have a need, here's a need, and we can, don't have the money to pay the need, so we can plant a seed, and then the seed will produce a harvest, and then we can take the harvest and pay the need. So we were actually giving in order to live. And, and that worked for you. And it was working for us. In the Army, man, my, my pay didn't change. I was still getting $120 a month. But all of a sudden, people started coming, handing me money. I mean, sinners, people in the Army, you know, come up and give them money and do stuff. And, I mean, all of a sudden, we began to be blessed and blessed. And money came from, and Oral said, always expect uh, uh, from unexpected sources. He said, don't just look at your job. Expect from unexpected sources. And uh, so we started looking around. Who's got my money? Where's my money coming from? Is the bird got it? Is the cow got it? Who's got my money? Where's my money? And so we started expecting, and I mean, God just started blessing us. So then we got in the, out of the army and into Mexico as missionaries, zero support, no partners, nothing. I mean, no money, no bank account, no car, no, no. We just, me and Jackie and a Bible and a baby and 50 bucks went to Mexico. And uh, we ran into Wayne Myers. Wayne will be 101 years old, and this month we're going to go down to his birthday party in Mexico City. And uh, he's been my spiritual dad for 55 years. And so I, we went into him and spent the night at his house and saw that they were just giving differently than we were. And I said to Jackie, I said, they're not doing what we're doing. We're giving in order to live. I said, these people are actually living in order to give. They're just looking for a place to give. They're just, they're just here to give. They want to give. And I said, we're going to do that from now on. And we took, we took hands, held hands, and prayed and said, from now on, we're living to give. And so we started doing that. We started giving and giving and giving and giving. And giving. We didn't have anything to give. We just started giving. And God started blessing. And that was 55 years ago, Bob. And I hadn't changed. Not going to. You couldn't talk me out of it. Couldn't get, couldn't get it out of me. Couldn't beat it out of me. Because I know how to make it work. Right? So this, this, if you get this, I guarantee you it will change your life. In fact, I, I want to go somewhere. I can preach about three more messages on it and put a, uh, make a bigger series. Because there's just so many testimonies and so much stuff we can share. Did y'all get anything out of all this? There's this world right here. We don't look at this world. We look at that world. And remember, this world is perishable. Right? We'll stand up.
Oh, Renee's got a bunch of those. If you'd like to have them, you're welcome to do it. We just, uh, she just had those printed up there. She's heard me tell this story so many times over the years that all of a sudden the other day she brought me those. And I said, what did you do? She said, well, I've heard you say this for years, so I just went and had some printed. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Stand up with me. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for everyone in the house tonight. I pray for everyone watching online, whether it's a hotel room, a living room, or a, a hospital room. Or I pray for everybody listening in the future on MP3 or CD or however, whatever platform they might be listening. I pray the anointing of God. Now, there it is right there. The anointing of God fall in the house and fall in the home, and fall where they're listening, and that anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. Your word says the anointing destroys, destroys, destroys. It destroys the yoke of bondage. So whatever bondage, whatever yoke is represented tonight, whether it's cancer or AIDS, HIV, lupus, leukemia, COVID, it doesn't matter what it is, whether they need a new heart, a new liver, a new kidney, it doesn't matter what it is. Every yoke of bondage, the anointing tonight, destroys that yoke. From the crown of our head to the soles of our feet, every yoke be destroyed. Father, your word doesn't just say it breaks the yoke or it makes the yoke feel bad or it bends it. You said it destroys it. And you said the power of life and death is in the tongue, so I speak death to disease. Just like Jesus spoke death to the fig tree. He cursed that fig tree and he said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. He cursed it. And within 24 hours, it had dried up from its roots. It died. Jesus didn't think it was weird to talk to a tree to kill it because he was there when his daddy talked to the tree and brought it into existence. The same power that brought it in took it out. Jesus understood that other world. And Father, we're citizens of that other world. We're living in this world, but we're citizens of that one. We're not just mere men. We're not just like the folks walking down the street or that we work with at the shop or that we buy groceries with or that we buy gas from. We, we're citizens of that world where the supernatural happens. And Father, we thank you for transportation, for teleportation, for translation, for beam me up, Scotty. We, we believe you for the miraculous. We will not take the miraculous for granted any longer. We'll not think stupid thoughts about how angels and Jesus had to flap their wings for years to get here. They just stepped out of one world and into another instantly. Cause that world to be real to us. Cause us to always be aware of the presence of that world. Cause us to always be aware that you're that close. That miracles are that close. That food is that close. That quail is that close. That fish are that close. That oil and meal are that close. That money is that close. Father, when Peter came and all upset and said, Hey, uh, Jesus, it's time for you to pay your taxes. And Jesus just said, Well, just go get the first fish and get the money out of his mouth and go ahead and pay your own taxes with it as well. 
Where'd that fish come from? Where'd that money come from? Father, help us to constantly, constantly ask the questions and be asking ourselves, where'd it come from? Where'd it come from? Where'd it come from? Where'd it come from? It's coming. It's coming. I'm expecting it from an unexpected source. I'm expecting it. I appreciate my job, but that's not my source. I'm expect God's my source, and I'm expecting it from unexpected places. It's coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Everybody say, it's coming. Thank you, Father, for healings. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for restoration. Body, line up with the Word of God. Bones, move and line up with the Word of God. Organs, line up with the Word of God. Systems, digestive system, respiratory system, immune system, whatever system, be healed. Line up with the Word of God. Be made whole. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you for miracles. We thank you for healing. We give you the glory. You're the miracle worker. We, we love miracles. We expect miracles. We, we look for miracles. We're thankful for miracles. Father, we're not, we're not looking for Hollywood for special effects. We're not looking for the sensational. We're not looking for the spectacular. We're looking for the miraculous. The miracle worker. The miracle work in God, in Jesus' name. Say this with me. Say this with me, Father. I see in Your Word that You said I'm to prosper and to be in health. So, in the name of Jesus, by the grace and help of God, I've had my last sick day. I've had my last poor day. And from this day forward, in the name of Jesus, I will do good to the brethren. I will do good to the strangers, and I will be fellow helper to the truth. I'll get the word out around the world. Devil, hear me now. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus against you. You can't cross the bloodline. God says he wants me to prosper and to be in health so I can do good to the brethren and good to the stranger. And be fellow helper to the truth. You're not going to stop that. From this day forward. By the grace and help of God. I will do good to the brethren. I will do good to the stranger. I will be fellow helper to the truth. Devil. Take your hands off my money. Take your hands off my health. Take your hands off my family. I don't live for this world. Father thank you for the other world. Thank you for the fourth dimension. Thank you for the real world. We don't look at this world. We don't look at what we can see. Because it's temporal. It's temporary. It's perishable. It won't last. We look to the other world because those things are eternal. Thank you, Father, for the eternal. Thank you for the miraculous. I receive it. It's coming. I hear it coming, it's coming, it's coming in Jesus' name, and I give you praise for it. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Now check yourself out and do the impossible. See if God's God's done something for you. If you're watching online, check yourself out. See what the Lord's done. If you're listening to this in the future sometime, check yourself out. 
there'll be instructions there on your screen, uh, the, the, the church address or email or something. Contact the church and say, I prayed with Brother Terry and, and uh, God healed me or God helped me or God blessed me or God did something for me. Praise the Lord. It's always important to tell it. Brother Hagin, so many, many, many years ago, taught us probably one of the greatest messages about faith. And I'll never forget it. I'll never lose it. I'll never turn from it. He said the greatest, the greatest example of how to operate in faith is told in the story of the little woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, as well as other places. Mark chapter 5 says that, says that when she heard of Jesus. So Brother Hagin said, number one, she heard it. Well, you've heard it tonight. Yes. Amen. And he said, when she, when she heard of Jesus, she said, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. So number one, she heard it. Number two, she said it. Number three, he said, she did it. She went out and found Jesus and touched his clothes. Number four, she received it. It says she, she felt in her body she was healed of that plague for straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. So she received it. And then he said, number five, she told it. She told it. She fell down at Jesus' feet and the Bible says she told him all the truth. So she told him about the 12 years and the many physicians and the many medicines spent all that she had, nothing better, nothing but grew worse. So she heard it. She said it, she did it, she received it, she told it. That's so simple, and yet it is so profound that when you get something from the Lord, tell it. That's a crucial point. She could have just turned left and not told anybody, and she had probably lost her healing. But we, we hear it, we say it, we do it, we receive it, we tell it. So if you're at home or listening in the future on CD or something, uh, MP3, then... Uh, Write a testimony and tell it. You know, you can contact me in my office, terrymiles.com, or you can contact the church here. I'm sure the instructions are right there on the screen. What's your email? How do they contact you? Newlifefamilyworship.net. So just drop an email and say, hey, I prayed with Terry and I got healed, or this, this happened or that happened or whatever. Amen. Did y'all get anything out of this tonight? Well, are you brave enough to come back tomorrow night? Hallelujah. Pastor, come on, rescue the folks. Uh-oh. You all can really see for a little bit. I'm going to do something good for the brother. Anybody go to the bookstore and pick up one of these, I pay for it. I want you to get it. I want you to have it. I want you to get gold, get to the point God want you to prosper and have good health. Go get each one, get one, and uh, let let Christy know I pay for it. Amen. Huh? Yeah, one for a couple. This this one right here. That's all. That's it. There's a living example right there, living to give. Praise God. Hallelujah. You'll be blessed by it for sure. Hallelujah. It'll change your whole outlook, change your whole perspective, change everything about you. 
Amen. Except for the thing you see in the mirror. It won't change that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. You know, there's sometimes I think certain things and I happen to walk by the mirror and I get a reality check. I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> Praise God. Wasn't that rich tonight? Man, that was so good. So good. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was really good. Both of you, what you shared was just excellent. We appreciate that. And what you shared, my dear, was wonderful. You're just so good to us. Okay. continue to fight through the jungle and the hindrances and the hurdles that hell has tried to stop you. And he says, my grace is sufficient. You live in the power of what's in you will come out of you and get on you and provide for you moment by moment without delay. Using your faith, you will have, you will say it, you will see it, and you will lead the people into those promises that I have given to you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory and honor to you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Second time, second witness. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Glory. No. No, they don't. We don't give them a moment. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience on that. I received that. I received that. Yes. 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 We're planting seed. Glory to God. You know, this is why in the book of Corinthians, uh, Paul said, I'm not an apostle to everybody, but I am to you. And this ministry is an apostle to us. And this is why we have and receive what we receive and what God brings to us. 
because of that connection, that partnership that is so precious, so precious. I'm having trouble putting things into words. Just so, so precious. Praise God. Yes. something you know to a pastor you know to leaders it's your job to realize that God doesn't do that just for one person everybody lift your hand and say I receive it for myself see the word of the Lord belongs to everybody you know now if it were specific a date or a time or something like that that would be for him but when it's the promises of God the power of God that means you go home and you fight like a warrior, you get in prayer, you command, you lay the bills out, you lay the doctor's prognosis out, you lay everything out there on the table and you begin to say, no, it's not going to be like that. We're not going to live like this anymore. We put the bloodline around this stuff. You get outside, Dodie Osteen crippled by polio on one leg. She got out there and ran around her yard in the front yard, and she said, I'm binding every spirit of illness and sickness in this house. Nobody's going to get sick in here. There's a fierceness, Pastor Bob, that the church has not had. And I, I don't understand all about it, but I just know we got to get mad. you got to pray mad. Or you're not going to get nothing. You've got to pray fierce, powerful, Holy Ghost prayers and stop putting up with the garbage. The enemy's going to play games with your mind, your health, your body, your money, everything. If you don't say this far, no farther. We're done. You know, so it's for the church, but he's the leader and he's... You know, God, God always has one, one, or one man, one woman, and then everybody gets in behind them and, and, you know, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. Yeah, are y'all old enough to remember that old song? We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. sounds to me like it's enlistment time. It's time to soldier up. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You better go home and check your weapons out. Amen. 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 Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Let's read that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. There's one who scatters and yet increases all the more. There's one who withholds what is justly due and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. Hallelujah. This trans another translation says it this way. A man may give freely and still his wealth will be increased. Another may keep back more than what is right, but he only comes to be in need. He who gives blessing will be made fat, but the cursor will himself be cursed. You know, he talks about giving freely. But giving freely goes beyond just giving finances freely. That when we give, you've got to give free and be free of hidden agendas. You have to be free 
of wrong motives. You have to be free of ulterior uh, motives, free of greed, free of compulsion, free of grudges. And if you're free from those things, then you'll be free to give cheerfully. You'll be free to give thankfully, lovingly, and gratefully. That when we give free from those things and we give free to those things, then we will increase and the fat will drip on us. Glory to God. Glory to God, because that's God's path and his way of giving. God loves. The Bible tells us in Corinthians, God loves, takes pleasure in, and prizes above all other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-give giver. Hallelujah. This is where the fat and the strips, and we all want to be on that path where the fat and the strips. And just like Terry says, if the word says it, then we do it. We just do it. Get on that path and get under the, the, the dripping that'll drip on you on a regular basis. Amen. That's right. Say that again. Amen. That's good. That is good. Isn't that good? Amen. You need the series. You, you need, to meet, need to pick up that series, Living to Give. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, who's ready to give? All right, praise God. Hallelujah. Can I have another one ready to give? Somebody else. There's another one. I see another one. Another hand. Another hand going up. Glory to God. Hands all over the auditorium. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you and honor you, Father. We thank you so much, Father, for the opportunity to sow our seed, to be generous and to water, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that the fatness will drip because we're on your path. We thank you for that, and we bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. If you're given by cash or by credit card, there's an envelope in front on um, the seat back in front of you. If you're given by check, make it out to New Life. Just memo your envelope or your check uh, for Terry Mize, and we'll make sure that, that Terry's ministry gets everything that's given in this offering. If you joined us on live stream, thanks again for being with us. I know that you were so blessed tonight by what was shared that you realize it's time for the miraculous and it's not has to be spectacular or 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 sensational that's the word thank you sensational it's miraculous and when the miraculous happens it will be sensational in your life because it'll be a wonderful thing that could never happen except by God and that is the miracle amen glory to God so get that again, get it into your heart, get it working in your life, and start believing God for those things on a regular basis because God is a miracle-working God. Hallelujah. If you'd like to sow into Terry and Renee's ministry, just go to the website on, that you see on the screen, newlifefamilyworship.net. Click on the giving link. In the description box, just put in Terry Mize, and we'll make sure that everything you give online goes into their ministry. And we thank you for the seed that you sow. Praise God. Amen.